With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. I am Matt Jones and joining me today are Joe Thomas, Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland and our weekend where a team scored a 97 minute winner. Someone scored seven, who we're not going to mention, we it's still about the biggest story of the weekend, which is Everton scoring two goals away from home, <laughs> but not quite managing to get over the line. Uh, Joe and Chris, you were both there. Joe, I'll, I'll come to you first, please. Uh, one of those games that I think a lot of fans going into it, and I'll include myself in that, would be saying, I'll probably take a point here. But when you see it unfold, you see Everton go ahead twice, you see the way that the game pans out, you can't help but come away from it thinking, let two points slip away there. Definitely two points dropped. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, going into our last 15 minutes, I thought Everton had, had ridden out the storm a little bit in that second half as well. You know, Forrest got a bit of momentum around the hour mark and then just like Evan did in the first half, just after Forrest equalised, like to address a gate, just use a bit of experience to win a few fouls in the centre circle and just break up. I thought Everton had done the hard work. But then, like, I, I, as, as you say, unfolded a bit of a mistake from Abdullah to Corey. And that's that. And in the last 10 minutes, it probably looked like Forrest were more late to score. But it's definitely two points dropped. But I think it is a game, a bit like some of the recent ones on the dice, where you can definitely take positives from as well. Most obviously, the fact that Evan has scored two goals in a game, first time since since October, which is a, a terrible stat. But, you know, at least it shows that uh, <laughs> we're making some progress. And obviously, a, you know, a goal from open play as well. So... Well, a save from open play did come out. <laughs> can, can you call a Tarkovsky header onto a Keane header onto a... Dec- Probably not. I've gone ahead of myself there. Maybe I'm getting a little bit too excited. But, you know, I, I come out of that ground. I come out of the sea ground feeling disappointed because I thought it was a missed opportunity. But more positive about Everton in general than I was going into the game, I think. Chris, to share that, that point of view you're trying to take the, the positive side of things more than the negative side of things because it feels like one of those games where you could probably take as, as much in either camp as, as you wanted really yeah um, I mean beforehand I mean we try to be realistic because on the on the Royal Blue podcast as well being positive and we, we had all gone for effort and victories in our in our pre-match predictions and it felt you know it was given the results the way that they panned out over the weekend both in terms of Southampton winning but then everyone else losing it really sort of concertined it all in again and this was a, a huge opportunity perhaps if they were to win but um, Joe actually asked me after the game when we were doing sort of reflecting on it all on Everton so do, do I feel Everton are closer or further away from, from staying up after that result and I've, I said I think they're just marginally in a better p- position um, you've got to remember Nongan Forest got really good home record um I know they're, they're not far above Everton in, in the table, but you know, as a newly promoted club, they make it really difficult when you go there. They made it chaotic. Everton, a positive, actually looked the more, more assured 
outside for, for long periods. But going ahead twice, you've got to be disappointed that they didn't hold on to those three points. Um, I was just saying to Joe, if that equalised, the second equaliser, come five minutes later, I'd probably be a lot more disappointed now. But but in the end, you're probably just um, glad to get it away from a point. Yeah, because it's the kind of game that in perhaps slightly different circumstances ever could have even lost. Yeah, it's, it's like that. The, in the course of a look at this game in isolation maybe earlier in the season the team that's on a good run at home and hasn't lost at home for a long time you, you probably take your point and, and move on there don't you but is, is it the fact that we are still in the bottom three we've got a little bit of a tricky run of games to, to call in there's only 12 games left in the, the season now which is kind of crept up on us all a little bit and, and while it's it's clear that maybe this team is making steady progress on the Sean Dice time is getting a little bit of the essence now isn't it yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this, about whether it was a point gained or two points lost. And I was then I was thinking about what we said on the pod on Friday yeah. about the importance of these two games because of the, the immediate run of fixes afterwards. And the points, I think, is a point gained if we beat Brentford on Saturday because you say four points in two games, you take the point from Forest. But if you don't get a point from, if you don't get a win from Brentford, then I think it's two point lost. Uh, I think it's possible to have both views because I don't see this game in isolation. It's these two games of vital one because we've got Tottenham, Chelsea, Man United and then we've got like some trophies in the last eight games. And so I think I think I'm deferring judgment on, on it till till uh, after the Brentford game. My immediate reaction was if you win a two one with fifteen minutes left, you've got to take the win and I'm I'm veering more towards two points lost as a game itself. And that's a disappointing thing, really. If you're away from home and you're leading twice, desperately disappointing, isn't it? Not to, not to take the three points at the end of it. Yeah, 100%. And going back to the start, Joe, I've, I've been talked of Neil Lope a lot in his pre-match press conference. Sean Dyche obviously made a decision to drop him. I think probably in favour of Damari Gray leading the line. And it was a decision that paid off pretty early on, wasn't it, with him sticking that penalty away. And I think that that's going to be one of the, the things I imagine... He will take from that game, Sean Dice. You know, we've tried a few different options at the top end of the pitch, and I don't think Gray was amazing by any means, but he seemed to offer Everton something a little bit different, a bit of freshness at that end of the pitch. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm coming away from the game in a slightly better place than when I went into it. You know, I agree with what Gav said about obviously we spoke last week about how Forrest and Brentford, <coughs> yeah. Evan probably needs to win at least one of those games. That was an opportunity to get that over the line early doors. But I think that you know, there's some good lessons to take from that from from Deitch, I, I thought. And Damari Gray was probably the best because you know, having repeatedly asked him about Damari Gray in the press conferences, you started to get the sense that he just didn't fancy him. And you know, like you just said then, he was big enough Neil Mope the we in, in midweek. I think as a side story, I think trying to win, trying to read between the lines of Sean Deitch is going to be coming an interesting um, challenge for me to do. I think over the next over the next twelve games, because Frank Lampard was just very, very straight and very, very honest with everything he did. And whilst I'm not saying that Deitch isn't, yeah, I think he is very honest and, and, and plays everything straight. But you know, I think if you know, it, it was very difficult to see Demari Gray starting coming out of. The Friday, the uh, the press conference on on Friday, so you know, so obviously you've got to try and read between the lines there. But yeah, Dyche, um 
picked Damari Gray. And I thought he played well, Damari. Like, he definitely offered more than what Neil Mope and, and Ellis Sims have done under Dyche's reign so far. Okay, he's not a big target, man. And I think, in fairness, probably have to make the point that this is probably the weakest defence that he's come up against, apart from the Leeds game. You know, Felipe's experienced, but they're not the best at centre-back for us. He got a lot of injuries there. But I thought he caused them quite a few problems. He held the ball up quite well. And it's not just about winning flick-ons and winning headers, but you know, quite often he was at his first touch was able to take him into a channel and then and then it becomes a foot race, becomes up pace. He's got a little bit more about him then. That that when he you know, he it starts to even up the terrain against the centre backs or the full backs he's doing. And what it does is just buys time for other players to get up around him. And we saw that with Abdullah Dakori in particular, you know, but also with, with Dwight McNeil and, and Alex Awobi. You know, if 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 Gray can get that first touch and then you know, get some of the chase onto, he can bring other players into the game. And that just worked quite well, I thought, yesterday. And and you know, Evans' best chances, you know, as we've said, probably came from set pieces to a certain extent, and then and from the counter attack as well. And he just poses a different threat to defenses than Neil Mopay or Ellis Sims when he's the one that's running at centre backs, so or he's the one the one they've got to think about. You know, I haven't seen Neil Mopay beat a player very often. You know, Neil Mopay's game, I think Neil Mopay's game is about getting in front of that last man and getting the tap in or getting your poking home or, and then other than that, just hustling and harrying and forcing mistakes. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of what his game is at its best, to be honest. But what we haven't done is he, he doesn't seem to be a creative force or a really a weapon whenever in a counter attack. And even in the games where they've played, Playing more carrot attacking football over over the past few weeks again, albeit against better sides. So, yeah, the Damari Gray experiment worked. It's still, where I think the more this side progresses, the more its limitations are exposed. And I think that you know that was the case at the end of the first half when you know Damari Gray had that chance to to put Evan free one up going into the break. It was a great chance. You know he probably should have done better. And, and that's where Evans' problem lies. Obviously, they haven't got someone that's just going to put those efforts away four times out of five or even three times out of five. But, you know, it's promisingly gone to that position. I thought he caused Nottingham Forest some problems. I thought he had to bring Everton players into the game in the final third and get Evan up the pitch. You know, we're watching Deitch on the, tight, on, on, on the touchline. You know, all the time he's urging Evan just to get up the pitch, get up the pitch. Obviously, I know they've got Brendan Johnson, Morgan Gibbs-White playing out wide, but they, they sit a little bit deeper, you know, Forrest played with Chris Woods, so they had a little bit more freedom to step up because he hasn't got the pace. And, you know, it just worked. It looked, it looked like a type of game plan that could be effective against, you know, those mid-table sides to bottom half of the table that Evan are really going to need to pick up points against in the run-in. So, you know, I, I, I thought it was promising. I went into the weekend thinking Damari Gray has to start. He has to get an opportunity, surely. You know, some of us have been saying this for weeks, and I thought... Deitch had almost ruled him out. And yeah, and Deitch started him. I think I think Gray played well. I think deserves credit because he fought hard as well. You know, it wouldn't have been easy for him these last few weeks. You know, he did track back, he did put tackles in, he did hustle, he did harry. And you know, that could only have boosted his confidence and Deitch's confidence in him. And hopefully it'll be Gray starting again going forward. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, in, in the first half, Chris, that's the most threatening Everton have looked for a long time, I think, as an attacking unit, isn't it? it you know, certainly away from home, and, you know, Joe mentioned there about how Gray helped knit everything together. He obviously has scores the goal. He has a great chance for half-time. Um, obviously, McNeil has a shot that Navas does well to tip over. We could have had a penalty. And as much as we're all, you know, everyone was very happy that Everton scored twice at half-time, it, it could have easily been a lot more, couldn't it? And that, that's kind of the frustration of, of the game, isn't it, in a sense that maybe the attack had just done a little bit more, we could have gone over the line, and then in the second half, if the defence had done a little bit more, we could have gone over the line as well. Yeah, I didn't know. Taking it as, as the whole piece, like we said, it maybe not so bad to escape with a point. But yeah, that, that first half dominance, given that how Everton once, you know, they, they pecked back once, got themselves in front again, and then had opportunities for, for that, third, that third goal. I mean, maybe... We shouldn't get too ahead of ourselves, given that the, the absolute paucity of um, goal-scoring opportunities that have, they've created and both taken this this season. But yeah, it was disappointing. I thought Gray should have at least done better there uh, in, in that chance that he he had to to add a third. But yeah, he, he, he was a different side. I just keep saying he's looking at different ways to score. Obviously, getting more people in the box. Have have we mentioned and that that the the threat that um, Gray brought? I mean, sort of false number nine. not yet traditional sort of leading the live player when you've got one up top but you know it's not been working with the other options uh, be that Neil Mopé or um, Ellis Sims in the derby he offered more than either of those the recent times so yeah it is that frustration when whenever the word on top yeah Forrest had their moments after the break and in the end perhaps Everton were clinging on a bit uh, as the game finished but yeah when they were when their tails were up and they were 2-1 ahead is it it's hoped that maybe they had that little bit more composure. But, you know, it's, it's that gradual thing. We just got to remember that that's where they are at the moment. They are at the bottom three. So maybe but maybe it's, it's a case of baby steps. Yeah, the the one disappointing thing about the attack for me, Gav, so throwing this forward to the second half now, is that I thought that as Forrest came forward, and, you know, Joe's mentioned, got players like Felipe at the back, who aren't necessarily the most mobile. I thought we'd have chances on the break, certainly with Gray and his speed and, a Wobie's ball carrying ability and McNeely's been a lot better recently. But I mean, and you know, we'll come on to talk about the defending Everton did in the second half a little bit, a little bit later on. But as an attacking force in the second half, they, they just kind of ceased to exist a little bit, didn't they? Well, just as an offensive force, full stop, didn't he? Um, I think that's fatigue, isn't it? And some of this goes back to our lack of options on the bench and the fact that we could only. I mean, I'm not sure of the times of the substitute was in a minute from the end. Be brought both subs on go. Wow, you would like to think that in a perfect world, winning to you want me to bring a couple of pacey attackers on after 70 minutes, say something like that. Um, to as you say, take advantage of the the spaces um, in Forest defence. But we didn't have the other players who played three times the week after the really tough outing at, at Arsenal. And the legs weren't there, Matt. I think probably the desire was there, but the legs weren't there, and perhaps you were a little bit overprotective of our, our league. But I was disappointed in a couple of players yesterday on Arna. For me, 
didn't do enough. I thought he was disappointing. In, in those sorts of circumstances, I'd expect his youth and physique and, and his his characteristics, physical characteristics to, to enable us to get up the pitch faster, but he did, did nothing really for me. Was it, they have 32 touches or something. Yes, and then I, that, I thought he was quite, he didn't use his physicality in the way that I would have liked in that kind of a game. Yeah, I mean, a physical game as well. I think he was anonymous, really. And the frustrating thing for me at the moment is that either either an honor or the corner, one of them's okay in a game, and the other one isn't. We don't, you never get a game where two of us, you know, on their, on their, you know, that show the best of the ability. So, yeah, I think it was just fatigue, Matt. And, you know, but at the same time, we didn't get the impression that we were massively under pressure as well. We sort of like caught between two. You know, two things, and yeah, that. that but it's a lack of substitutions for me. The lack of options on the, off the bench, and I think a more a team with more resources would have taken advantage of that better than us in the uh, in the second half. The, the thing I say about the Gray goal is, you might touch on this by later on, but the difference in Gray's finish to Johnson's finish for the second, they're not in two the similar areas of the pitch, and Johnson takes that touch, doesn't he? Looks up sees the gap and sticks it in, where Gray sort of snatches at it. I see what he's trying to do. He's probably, he's trying to get the, trying to get it in the gap between the keeper and the, and the near post, but that's the difference between a good player and somebody who is not a natural striker like Gray is and, it you know, hasn't got that wherewithal within his, in his football brain to, to, to assess situations and take the best option, where like Johnson had a, had a crucial type time in the game did and that's the difference between like good players and players who are okay and uh, that was the frustrating thing about that, that great finish in the first half it's a completely different game now if we go 3-1 ahead isn't it that was the key moments of the game for me the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it certainly feels like that would have knocked the stuff on out of him a bit. Certainly being right on half time as well. Um, but Joe, you know, as Gav said there, with around 15 minutes to go, Everton were, were in a good position. They were leading the game. Forrest had, had made a lot of changes and it. it sort of felt like they were run out of ideas a little bit. And then Everton make a mistake and, and then switch off. And it's it's becoming a bit of a, a tale as old as time, isn't it? And as much as we focus on the lack of goals and talk about how to console the, their options at the top end of the pitch. Do you think it'll be a, a bit of a concern for, for Sean Dyche that, first of all, we're conceding quite a lot of goals, and a lot of them are coming from individual mistakes as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mistakes is something that he mentioned when I spoke to him at Finch Farm on Friday, something he needs to you know, try and eradicate from the side. I think I think Dyche is, is happy with the progress that his side's making tactically and, and physically, and I think we can all see we can all see the progress that is there. It's transforming, you know, it's tra- translating to, to performances on the pitch and, and, and it's obvious that they're, they're a much more competitive side, but, you know, those mistakes are, are proven very, very costly. You know, I think Dyche sees it and 
probably don't, don't disagree with it. Two mistakes that cost him the game against Liverpool. Um, obviously, and then the Idrissa guy giving away a penalty against Aston Villa. You know, okay, some people say that wasn't a penalty. I think it was. I think it was a clumsy tackle he didn't need to make. Then obviously his goal, his mistake for the second goal against Arsenal just killed that game. And then he was speaking about mistakes going into this one. And then obviously Abdullah Dekore makes a mistake for for the um, yeah for the equaliser. It's just that so so frustrating. It just kind of it just makes you wonder where the limits of this Evans side are. You know, can you actually eradicate those mistakes, or is this just a group of players that can't get through ninety minutes without making big mistakes? And when you score as few goals as Evans do. And when you're, you know, not as strong at the back as as you'd like to be, well, more often than not, those those mistakes get punished. You know, it's um, it's it's a difficult one to compute because again, you don't want to be too harsh on Decore. He had a good game. You know, he's come into the side, come out from the cold and the Deitch, and he's 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 been relatively impressive. But you know, he he still made the mistake that that has cost Evan two points. So it's like a Drissa Gay, two huge mistakes against um, Villa and and against Arsenal. I thought he was very good yesterday, and obviously you know, him and Takori were brilliant in the win against Leeds. But I think part of this comes back to you know one of the other points that Gav was was kind of making there. It's 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 the lack of depth because what Everton don't have is they don't have competition for places, you know, and that must be somewhere in the back of the mind. You know, Takori and I mean Gay Gay was lucky to keep his place today uh, yesterday. I would have started him. I, I think I certainly would have started him if they'd gone to four four two. Because there just aren't really that many options. Tom Davis has struggled a little bit when he's come on um, in the last few weeks, and obviously James Garner isn't fit. And if you move to a four-four-two, then you're completely changing the fabric of the side. And I think Deitch really, really values consistency. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that lack of strength and depth that's killing Evan. Because although you know, obviously Evan were linked with AU, um, you know, just after the transfer window closed because they needed a striker. And, and he was available on a free. Yeah, they were linked with Dennis last summer when Watford went down. Obviously, those two and, and Ryan Yates came on and didn't see anything really. Yates had a good shot. I'm sorry, um, AU had a good shot. I didn't really see anything from AU and Dennis that made me think, ah, oh, you know, I wish Falwell and Lampard or Falwell and, you know, Deitch had parted with the money for the wages and any any other fees around them to, you know, to sign them up for Everton. But it was just fresh legs. Fresh legs, fresh ideas, fresh energy. You know, Yates plays the one-two with Johnson for for the equaliser. It just made a big difference, and that's what Evan don't have. And and this is this is a problem. Can Evan? You know, it's, it's, can Evan get through a ninety minutes without making a big mistake? Can Everton? How do and how do Everton turn positive seventy-five minutes into a positive ninety minutes? I think again there was progress yesterday in the sense that. Against Aston Villa and against Arsenal at the Emirates, it was positive 40 minutes. So I was thinking, how do they turn a positive 40 minutes into a positive 60? And then a good for their turn. Well, against Forest, they had a, probably had a positive 60 minutes and they couldn't quite convert it into into positive 19, getting the, the result. And and that, those are probably the two biggest things he's going to have to overcome, really, because he can't do anything about the lack of strength in depth. See, so Patterson and Garner on their way back, that'd be helpful. Calvert-Lewin... If and when he, he comes back would be useful. But he can't he can't strengthen the team and he can't I don't I don't know how he eradicates mistakes in in in, in a side where there's just such little competition for places. You know, De isn't gonna face any consequences for that. Whether he should or not is open to debate, but he's not a Drissa Gay, didn't face any consequences. 
for you know, for his mistakes, and I'm not sure that that's you know I, I think players need to be played on the edge and know that their place is at risk. Really, if you're going to try and get them to concentrate nonstop for 90 minutes, Everton can't do that. Yeah, I mean, I was following the game obviously back back at the office and monitoring social media and there was constant streams of we need to make a change, we need to make a change and then when Tom Davis and Neil Murray come on, it's a case of oh no, not them too and that <laughs> kind of feels like where we are, Chris I mean, you, you guys were in the ground and obviously when you, you're in the stadium, you, you get a sense of the manager needs to do something here, you know feel like there needs to be some urgency well, were you looking up that bench and anyone in particular thinking Everton could really benefit from having player X or player Y on here or do you kind of understand why Sean Bates just kept it as he was? Yeah, that that's the problem, no matter um, they did make they did need to make a change. We could all see that, you know, even laymen like ourselves, you know, we're not an experienced manager like Sean Dykes, but you know, we're football people, we can see that. But if he does he trust who, who's on the bench to, to, to make a to make a change? I mean, Tom Davis only came on after eighty nine minutes, but he did it like there was a horrendous moment in the middle when uh, he made a, a mess of things and um yes. So, you know, do you really give somebody you know, the last 20 minutes or something like that. So they were crying out for that. But yeah, there's a, it's that chronic lack of options because where they've got a surfeit of centre-backs, uh, you know, you could play about six of them. And you're not going to do that to change a game. I suppose you could just like bring a load on and just try and shut up shop. But it'd be a bit ridiculous, wouldn't it, from a sort of the team shape point of view. But yeah, it's just not got options in those, as Gab says, you know, a couple of speedy forwards last 20 minutes, something like that. I mean... You could, I suppose you could have uh, the option could have been you brought on Mopey and Sims and sort of got, certainly after Forrest went 2 2. But do you dare open it up then? As much as we're saying we're disappointed, Everton only took a point. Do you really start to go 4 4 2 for the last 12 minutes or something like that? Cause he ended up losing 3 or 4. So, yeah, that's the conundrum that he's faced. It's obvious that he did need those fresh legs and he did need extra energy after what has been three tough games in a week. And that was a real end to end game, I know. Probably got a certain sense of that watching it on TV, but being there in, in the stadium, it, it was wild at times. It was absolute chaos. I mean, I was speaking to Michael Ball earlier for his column, and he was he, he almost compared it to like a cup tie or even a championship game, and the fact that Everton were being sucked down to that level. So yeah, they desperately needed the bodies, but Deitch is still new to the job, and I'm not too sure how many of those substitutes he certainly trusts, certainly in terms of um, making a positive contribution. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about substitutes, Gav, but just sort of look at this and think maybe Decore and Andrusa Gay in particular, I know they've played a lot of football, but you know, they're both very experienced players, among the most experienced players in our squad. This is not, as much as he didn't have a good game yesterday, Amadou Anana making mistakes. He's a young player, settling into the Premier League still. Is it a case of but you've just got to be a little bit better there in those situations, you know, regardless of how much football you've played and regardless of how lucky you are, you've played enough in this league to, to sort of know when to, to try and play in trigger passes in your own half and when not to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, I mean, fatigue, I don't think, um, Garner Gay's mistake at Arsenal was that fatigue, wasn't just before half time, just poor decision making, isn't it? Incessant and just having a look at things before it came on in. I think in Dice's six games, opposition made 23 substitutions, Everton 16. I don't know, I don't know 16, 10 of them have been Sims, Mopai, and Davis. And very rarely made substitution before the 70th minute. That just shows you know, our paucity of options on the bench, you know, we can bring on. 
Yeah, I, I just felt physically at the end yesterday. We looked, we looked some some of our players looked out on the field, didn't he? Um, because of the nature of the games, Chris said it was a it was a great advert for the Henry Burnley English football, was it? But not necessarily a great advert for the quality of the Premier League. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've seen that montage on Master Day last night. It's a bit like the four different passes in play where the, the teams effectively pass the ball to each other. Oh. And yeah, I, I I just thought we were out our feet, but that makes it a, a weirdy point to me in, in that context at the end. Yeah. And, we, and we, went, we didn't have the, the legs to... Uh, to take advantage of the, of the gaps that the way the way in Forest's Forest defence. I think Gray as well, though, he's got pace. He has a habit of holding onto the ball too long, doesn't he? And not releasing it when, when we're on the break. And that's cost us at least one goal this season. So, yeah, I think fatigue now doesn't excuse mistakes, but it, it did excuse a thing called last 15, 20 minutes yesterday. Do the comments of yesterday, I don't know whether you mentioned this, but no one's goal. Did you, did you think Pickford was a false? As well, do you think he should have parried the ball better? I think he's got a little bit of a habit in his game where he probably doesn't push it quite far enough at times. It was very similar to the goal that we conceded against the McGuddersen, wasn't it? Um, but I think I think that would be I'll be more critical of Michael Keane if I give my opinion for that goal than, than Jordan. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he did he, he parries it, you know, he's supposed to parry it towards the corner flag, aren't he? But he parries it towards the back into the danger area and he got away with one in the second half, didn't he? Where Johnson slipped. And if Johnson had stayed on his feet, he probably may have had a tapping for their for their goal. And I think I just thought Pickford. I thought I'd be looking at him there saying he should be doing better there because the goalkeeper should be putting the ball back into the danger area. I know some of our defenders as well as Keane sort of went asleep, but I don't think he's beyond criticism for the first goal. Um, and I say maybe did the same in the second half, but anyway, it just I know what you're saying about fatigue, but our options are. Those stats say a lot, don't they? Opposition make fifty percent more substitutions than us, and the ones that yesterday a minute to let, minute left, so they're not really subs, are they? In terms of affecting the game, and um, that's that's the concern for me. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mean, I was, I was going to quickly um, throw it to you, but he's actually about Pickford because you, you gave him a man of the match in, in your play. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on that because I think, I think for me, after it goes to 2 2, he does really well in making a couple of good saves and, and helping Everton preserve the point from, from that point on. Yeah, and to be fair, Bing, and he saved, he saved well, was it from Ayu towards the end as well? He was very busy and, you know, he was giving that aerial bombardment. What I'll just say in, um, in response to, to Gav's. Um, Point, which I think it, it, it's fair enough. You can always sort of question about where he's on the second one. When you when we're we're going back to a, a favourite subject of both Gavin and I, uh, Neville Southall. When we're when we're um, questioning any sort of Everton goalkeeper and excellence, when you watch all those um, big Nev saves back on the footage, it's amazing how many second time around rebounds Nev gets to. He saves the first one and then he gets up and he saves the second one as well, and that's what's truly mm. made it the best goalkeeper in the world. 
with the fact that I mean it was harsh anyway. It was a tap in for for, for the for the sec for the first goal, Sonny. But you wonder Southall at the peak of his powers. He'd have saved the first one, and then he got up and he would have saved the second one as well. Yeah, yeah. I just I just thought that's the thing about goalkeeping, isn't it? That you know when I've heard like people talking about goalkeepers and parrying the ball off shots as you parry it away some days, you don't mean you don't parry the ball back into the danger area. And let's face it, it was a decent attempt on goal, wasn't it? Um, but it wasn't that difficult. It was like a nice height, and it wasn't it wasn't a you know rocket shot. But any stretch of the imagination, it was a side footed effort. And I, I would have expected Pickford to have done a bit better there and just parried it away to safety towards the corner flag. But hey, I, I am not a goalkeeper. But uh, it's just it just seemed to me that actually he should have done a bit better. In another way, apart from that two things, I thought he had a good game. Gave you me a stop the end along with his foot at the near post, didn't he? That was off Johnson as well, I think. Um, and there was, you know, and to be fair, talking about the central defence, there was a bit of a bombardment, wasn't there at times in the second half? And they still looked pretty well. I mean, there's a case had the clearance by Godfrey. Yeah, uh, days, and he's thinking, oh, they're in here, he just got his head in the way. And he did a bit, Godfrey, for all his faults at Arsenal. And I know he was sort of, can be a bit of a liability. The bit had a break and he read it really well, didn't he? Where he was trying to play, I don't know if it was Johnson behind him, and he was showing him on the telly and he just altered his runs to block the pass because they would have been on a one on one. So, you know, we, we did show some defensive resilience yesterday, which is encouraging. One other thing I wanted to speak about as well is another type of resilience in, in a sense, Joe, is that Everton under Sean Dyche, seemed to really enjoy getting into scraps. Uh, they've been yeah. three times now, I think, since he, he took over. It looks like there might be another one on the way after yesterday because there's a few little flashpoints. And, and, and listen, it's one of those things as fans, isn't it? We all, when the teams are doing well, you, you want more fight. You want to see players get in the face of the opposition, get in the face of the referee. Um, and I'm sure people in the way end and watching almost were loving that yesterday. Um, but the way these fights are coming in, it's, it's a bit like having another player on the books, isn't it? Having to pay hundred grand a week or so. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on it? Is this something that you think is just going to carry on, or is it? Do you look at it now and think maybe you need to put a bit of a lid on it? It's definitely going to carry on. That it's, it's, <laughs> there's, there's there's no there's, there's just no doubt. So two fines already under Deitch, three for the season. So so far this season, haven't they been fined under fifteen thousand um, pounds for for the flare ups? I actually asked Deitch about this um, after the Leeds game because it was obvious a second charge was coming. And my impression from him was he, he didn't care. Um, I think in his view, he wants his players to show fight, obviously within the, 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 the limits of the game. And I think he views the, the punishment system as it is. Obviously, he can't say this, um, but I think he views the system as it is now as just a bit incredibly flawed really and that the FA are clamping down on you know <clears throat> scuffles and that which are largely harmless you know he doesn't see an issue in them as long as like punches aren't getting thrown and people aren't getting hurt or injured you know I think he's more than happy I think he sees it as part of the game and he sees it ridiculous that it's being policed as sensitively as it currently is so I I don't think that well when I asked him at the time after Leeds, I said, are you having any words for your players to say, look, to try calm it down? He said, no. Um, he didn't have any concerns on that front. I think to a large degree, he'd be pleased to see that fight. I think as well, you know, when you when we look at the 
the low points of Deitch's very short stint so far at Everton Boss is the 86 minutes it took until they decided to show any fight to get at Anfield. And then it's the, you know, the, the second half against Arsenal where you're at the Emirates, where even though the game was lost, Everton just, they just collapsed. And it, it collapsed, it was, even though it was a collapse, that came against the top of the league, top of the league who were rampant and are at home and they were already 2-0 up and Everton were unlikely to get it from that game. It was still so dispiriting by how poor it was. So really, I, I think that that fight is going to continue because I think it's what the fans want to see as well. And and finally, I think it'll continue as well because Everton, let's be realist, Everton don't have the quality to... They have the quality to just outperform teams, to play teams off the park. This Everton side, there's no way that this Everton side stays in the Premier League if it doesn't fight for survival. It has to fight. It has to get in teams' faces. It has to be aggressive. has to be assertive because it hasn't got the quality just to win games. There aren't players there that are going to consistently produce moments of magic to get them out of tough situations. They've got to do everything that they can to make it a level playing field against sides that are more often than not going to come up against them and have more quality and more options. So I think it's just going to continue. Whether or not... Yeah, there were a few incidents against Forest. It wasn't perhaps like the the, the huge flare-ups where everyone gets involved that we kind of saw at Liverpool and Leeds. But you know, I I don't. At the end of the day, the money's not coming out of Deitch's pocket. Uh, where what, what element of the club's funds? And we don't have fund this questions over club's funds. Where it does come from, I'm not entirely sure. But you know, I I, just, I don't expect it to stop. I don't expect Deitch to be having a go at anyone behind closed doors. Maybe if someone who's already on a booking, then decides to get involved when they don't need to and then get sent off and it costs seven something, then then perhaps then. But until that point, no, it's going to continue. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I mean, as well, Chris, throwing this towards the, the referee and one decision in particular, um, both managers were very unhappy with with the official yesterday, uh, maybe that, that didn't help matters either. But uh, didn't really feel from watching on in the office that he had a particularly good grip on the game. No, I said there's probably like I said because he let he let things go. And uh, I'd say in Evans' defence, I mean a lot of these flared ups have been caused by the opposition, and I'm glad they're fighting back. But um, I'd say that um, um, it's always been the opponents who've actually possibly sparked it. But yeah, both both managers were very. Uh, the varying reasons, but they, you know, when you know when both managers come in, going on about the referees, perhaps not at the the best of games. Yeah, he let, he let a lot go early on, and that sort of set the tempo and allowed the game to be played. People have compared it to the Amadou Anana situation, Villa a weekend before, where he's on a booking from the first minute, and he's you know he's he's on eggshells then for the last eighty nine. Whereas, cause things were allowed to to sort of to to ride. Earlier on uh, in the Forest game, um, that that sort of um, set the tone for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, there was a, the the second penalty shout for Shane was called. Um, he was adamant that it was a penalty. He would, uh, whatever we thought of it, we know Shane was called. Was not a diver, and Dyche, who was obviously a centre half in his own career, said that he'd said himself to the referee if that wasn't a penalty, he didn't know what was. And then Cooper comes out, Forest manager, and then um, he he slates the ref for a whole load of different reasons, and then actually responded directly to my question to him, asking what he thought of the Coleman incident, and he, he claimed he didn't even remember it. So, there you go. 
Yeah. Garm, any, any complaints about that non-penalty award for you? I'm seeing uh, on ref watch this morning again. Dermot Gallagher, surprise, surprise. If the referee did get it right. My only comment on it is, considering VAR supposed to, and the person's brought in, so it's be all seeing and, you know, covers every angle and stuff. The television camera angles are just inconclusive, weirdly. And I find that hard to believe when we play so much trust in VAR. You can't see. But in that, that particular part of the pitch where somebody's trying to towards the goal and sort of makes a big, big angle, whatever it is, there's no camera that can see. Tell you whether it's contact or not. And I, I just thought that was my main comment. And because of that vagueness, they get the benefits of the doubt to uh, the defence. Just, just, just going back to Dice, I don't know if you've seen it, there's an interesting article on it, on it, on Football 365 by John Nicholson today. Um, he's normally a good writer, uh, but he's highly critical of Dice in the style of play today, just generally. And I'll just quote you this passage about yesterday, because I think it's really interesting. It says, it's about Evan. On Sunday, they played a brutal lower league mid-90s style game. Tried to disrupt Forrest with fouls, aggression, pushing, throwing the ball away, provoking fights, screaming up to the opposition and play acting. It was ugly and it fitted perfectly the cliche about Dice that he and his pals have so long denied his truth. So I can kick straight from the trend then, that, Gav. Yeah, yeah. Now, I read that... There's some of it about dice that we know, but unless it was very much mistaken in the complicated fancy, there was two teams who were bang at it where the you know and, uh, <laughs> no, I didn't give the sense that yesterday Evan went out to provoke, you know, Forest. I just felt the sense that it was a massively poor game for both teams. And there was a lot of jeopardy around the game. Meant that that was that ends up by wild that ends up with that type of game with an old school FA Cup semi final. And like the Vins game, the same, there's a lot of jeopardy around that. And John Nichols is normally a good, good writer, and I just think he's got it all wrong there. Yeah. Um, and in a sense, he's reinforcing the dice reputation. And I, I, I don't know what Joe, Joe's saying, you are right, um, but that's what we want to see. But sometimes circumstances again throw you into, into that, don't be that, that type of um, behavior. And um, I didn't get the sense yesterday it was all evident, to be fair. I think Forrest gave as good as they got as Leeds did. And I, 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 I thought that was a disappointing angle. Um, but at, at, at the same time, I do think at some point you've got to show quality. That That's only going to do you so much, isn't it, really? That type of thing that we're talking about is at some point against the better teams, you've got more quality than you. You're going to make... It's going to be difficult for you to 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 get a result if that's all you're offering. It was quite interesting yesterday. I thought the first half, I think you wrote something like um, something Jones, something you're not written many times on Twitter during the game was Everton so showing a coherence attacking policy or something like that. You know, it's we've not done, and I thought we did being quite fluid in the first half on occasions up front, uh, and I think hopefully we see more of that in the last you know eleven or twelve games. But I just thought that was a bit of a cliched criticism by on football three six five, which was not necessarily true. Yeah, I tend to agree. And I read that piece this morning and just thought it missed quite a lot of context. But uh there we go. Um we will leave it there this week here on the Royal Blue Podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, do go and check out 
what a great work from Joe and Chris from the City Ground yesterday. And all great coverage around the game. Uh, we will, of course, be building up to that massive game now. I've got some park against Brentford on Saturday throughout the week on all the Liverpool Echo pages. But I'm not, not a podcast coming out later in the week as well. But cheers for tuning in. Cheers to Joe, Chris, and Gab. That's been your Royal Blue podcast. We'll speak to you again soon. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.